as we spent some time talking about fear and brokenness, and I, I was praying, uh, actually Sunday afternoon after church a little while, just, God, what, what is this week? What is our emphasis um, with so much going on? I don't want to be distracted and not hear you over some things. And I was thinking over the last two sermons, uh, my notes just happened to be in my Bible, and I was, I was just kind of referring, referencing back through some of those things, and I'm thinking, who better to give us an illustration of what's next when we talk about things like fear or we talk about things like brokenness than David? And not in the sense that when we talk a lot about David, we either talk about worship or we talk about a warrior, we talk about those things, but um, we all experience these moments in our life of what's next, Right? Or we experience those moments in our lives where we can't wait for what next to happen. Because we're ready to be done with what is. And I don't know about you, but I run to the scripture a lot in those moments. Like in prayer, uh, you know, God, I, I am so tired of what is. Uh, and that can be anything. Oftentimes what is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a struggle. It can almost seem like the void. Amen? Uh, I was talking to Rita Taylor yesterday. You might have seen some of her posts uh, from their trip out west. And uh, I, I just love going out west and on the hunting trips especially. Uh, the, the one thing that I love the most about going out west is your inability to judge distances. Uh, just standing there, you will see the mountains in the distance or, or whatever, and you think, oh, that, that's, well, let's just go over there. And, but you, you really can't judge. Uh, over there might be 20 miles away. Um, in, in Colorado, in the, my brother's house, you go out his sliding door on his back porch, and Pike's Peak, Pike's Peak is in his backyard. It's right there. I mean, you, you just walk out and you see Pike's Peak. But it's 20 miles away. And you just think, oh, we'll just go over there. You know, sometimes when we're in the valley, we want to be on the mountaintop and we just think, all right, we'll just get there. But once we start trudging through the valley, we begin to understand that this valley is longer, deeper, and wider than I anticipated it would be. That's called meanwhile. Amen? And let's all admit it. Sometimes we start the journey. We get in the middle of the meanwhile. And we realize it's a little bit longer than we anticipated it would be. And we're tempted to go back. To quit. To sit down. David is a great representative to us about what's next in life. Even after victories. Oftentimes in our life when we win, when we have a victory, we, we, we think that's the time to sit down, that's the time to take vacation, that's the time to enjoy the spoils of our victory. And those can be the worst times because those are the times when we don't pay attention. Or we're caught off guard. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1, watch this. The Bible says after this. Everybody say after this. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metha Omaha. I have no idea how to say it. Out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, I just want to pause there for a minute and, and give you a little clarity in the idea that in war, victory really never happens until you take the capital. You can take territory, you can take land, you can, you, can take, uh, you can occupy a space. But when you are really trying to conquer a particular place, you never really can declare victory until after you take the capital. The capital is the seat of authority. It's the seat of position. It's strategic. All the uh, economy, all, everything that flows out. It's just like Lansing for Michigan or, or somewhere. Else. Everything flows out of Lansing into everything else in Michigan. Good or bad, doesn't matter. Now this place you see here in chapter 8 is the capital of the Philistines. It is the center of vision. It's also a place that David lived when he was running from Saul. So the people in this place aren't unfamiliar with David. The people in this place aren't unfamiliar that David was a powerful warrior because even their generals said to the king, hey, we're not fighting with him. He'll kill us all. David knows that in order to accomplish a promise of God and to defeat the enemy completely, he has to take the capital. After this, David defeated the Philistines. Now that's a big enough sentence in and of itself. Done. Done. Giants are defeated. He's not only defeated one giant, amen, he defeated them all. And he subdued them. That, that's another sentence in all of itself. Subdued them, right? I, I love that. And he took the capital out of their hands. That's it. I'm sitting in the seat of authority now. Guess who's in charge now? Power is always a test of character. Hello, somebody. When we are given power, what we choose to do with it reveals who we really are. Come on. When power is always a test of character. Ultimate power ultimately always corrupts. What we choose to do with power is always the proof of who we really are. Now, David, I love this picture of him as, as we come to 2 Samuel in chapter 8 because when we think of David, we have to remember that he's a man who starts off with very, very little influence. As a matter of fact, he has so little influence that his family put him out in the field to take care of the sheep. He has so little influence, he couldn't go to battle with his brothers. Instead, he had to take the milk and cheese to them. Hello, church. He has so little influence that when he actually came to serve his brother and bring the food that his dad told him to bring to them, they actually said, what are you doing here? I'm just trying to be obedient. 
I was busy doing something else. I didn't come out here and bother you. But dad told me, hello, somebody. When Samuel comes to anoint the future king of Israel, David wasn't even considered a possibility. He didn't even get called in for the meeting. All the other brothers were invited to this meeting. It wasn't like Samuel just shows up unannounced. They knew this thing was happening. They didn't even tell David. He's got so little influence, he's not even invited when the dignitary shows up. Hello, somebody. The prophet has come to town. Don't worry about David. But we all know the story. Soon David's given a little bit of power under King Saul, and even that was momentary. Uh, it, it didn't last very long. And, and if you know David's story, it, 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 it's, it got so bad for David that even his wife was taken from him, and he becomes a fugitive. I mean, let's talk about a struggle if you want to. A guy who's got no influence, doesn't even get invited. I mean, you talk about feeling left out, feeling like an outcast. Nobody cares about you. And all of a sudden, when, when, when things happen the way God wants them to, now you're getting, you know, flack from everyone around you. And, 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 and then you start to serve the king because you just want to be a servant. You didn't ask to come and play the harp for him. He asked for you to come. And it didn't make no difference, right? Like, so you give a little bit of power. Then they take that away from you. You get a wife. They take her away from you too. I mean, you want to talk about some issues. Struggle. Like, I was happy in the sheep field. Talk about a struggle. But see, here's the deal. Struggle has a way of robbing us of value. Now, y'all didn't say amen, because maybe you don't believe that. I know you believe that, because I see you talk about it on Facebook all the time. Let's just be honest in the house of the Lord. Let's be honest as believers, as the children of God. Let's just be honest about who we are. Struggle has a way of robbing us of value. Come on, say Amen. Come on, if you're a husband and your wife leaving you, if you're a wife and your husband's leaving, come on, if you're a parent and, you, and no matter how well you've loved your children and given them everything they need to be successful in life and they reject you, come on, you just go to work and mind your business and do your job. You don't cause no drama like everybody else. You own time, you stay late, you do whatever you asked. But your boss don't like you, come on. Struggle has a way of robbing us of value. Let me talk to you this, especially sickness. Sickness will rob you of value. Man, this one thing that no matter what you do, you can't overcome. You, you eat right, you, you exercise, and hello somebody. You don't do all the don'ts, you do all the do's, and all of a sudden you find up in the doctor's office with like, what's going on? And, and, and you feel this inside of it. You're talking about feeling like being put out the pasture. Hello, somebody. Maybe you've been at work for 30. You have worked faithfully at one job for 40 years. And all of a sudden, some whippersnap come on. And they get your job. I, I never will forget. A guy got hired. I had been a, uh, a, a butcher for a long time. And, and they hired a guy. And... And uh, I had to train him to be a butcher. 
I wasn't the manager. I was just another guy that he got put on the table with. And my job was not only to do my job, but the manager's job also, because that was really his job to do that. But I did it. And, and when it came time for promotion, they promoted that guy over me. I'm like, I trained him. Now he's my boss. Talk about feeling like putting out, come on, somebody, y'all not helping me. I got to do this in about 30 minutes. Y'all ready? Come on. Talk, we all sit in this room, every one of us right here, right now, and there are times in our life where we feel like we've been put out to pasture. Absolutely. Value. Some struggle has come along and robbed us of that. I'm here this morning to talk to us and, and to, to give us a word, I believe, from the Lord. But God is speaking to us. Listen, hold on. Don't lose hope. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't turn off the switch of faith. There is something beyond this. Why? Because the Bible says, after this. It's not the end. There is a place between the mountains called the valley. Now, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop, but I've been up there. Don't nothing grow up there. Hello, somebody. I've been at 12,000 feet with no water. With my binoculars. Three days. <laughs> sucking on snow. Looking at the valley where all the streams with my binoculars... Ain't no water up there. It's all in the valley. You know, everything grows in the valley. It doesn't grow above 10,000 feet. And the trees up there. I remember Joshua Iron told me, he said, well, hey, we got to get above 10,000 feet because there ain't no trees up there and the bears don't stay up there. We can't sleep below 10,000. Cool. We get up above 10,000, we pitch our tent. I mean, it's just rocks. And we wake up the next morning and step outside the tent and there is a fresh pile of bear welcoming you. <laughs> next to the tent. And I was like, wired. You told me. <laughs> there ain't no bears up here. <laughs> there ain't no trees up there. There's nothing up there. It's not, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. Listen, everything grows in the valley. Yeah. Does it grow up there? We got to the top of that mountain and I was so excited. And then I realized all the water's down yonder. Sometimes the place between the mountaintops is called meanwhile. It's hard, it's painful, it's a struggle. We complain about the valley. It's dark, it's uncertain. Leora had a word during worship. She said, I see a matchbox with one match in it. Hello, somebody. We burn up all the matches. We got one left. We're scared of what that might look like. Remember Elijah calls down fire from heaven? His servant sees a cloud. Just a little one, the size of a fist of a man. And the Bible says, and it came to pass in the meanwhile. Oh. 
that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. In the meanwhile, blessing came. Come on, church. In the meanwhile, dark clouds and winds came up. See, there's, there's some of us here today, maybe there's somebody here today who knows exactly what I'm talking about because you're right there right now. The winds of adversity, the winds of struggle, the winds of trouble blowing in our lives, dark clouds hiding the sun. Listen, you're in the meanwhile. Your marriage stinks. Come on, you in the meanwhile. Your kids have rejected you in the meanwhile. You waiting on a prodigal to come on, you in the meanwhile. Come on, you, you got a bad report from the doctor, you in the meanwhile. You, you know what that's like from the time you go in sick and you have to do some tests and then you come back, you wait for days for tests, you in the meanwhile. Everybody wants to know. So, so, I don't know. I don't even think they know. Let's just get it right. He's only got a license to practice medicine. I, I need the guy who's at the game. That's what I want. <laughs> I need the guy who's done with practicing his play. I need that guy. His name is Jesus. This testing, this waiting, these uncertain moments, not knowing that. You know what that is? I'm just going to tell you, we will never coin it again any different. You know what the valley is? the valley of trusting. And I believe God allows us to walk those valleys to teach us to trust. To show us what he wants to show us at, at times when we couldn't see it any other way. God sent me here today to give you this word after this, after this, after this. And I want us to see a couple of things. Number one, God's sovereignty. Nothing can stop the purposes of God. You got to grab a hold of that. See, we're reading in chapter 8, verse 1, the success, come on church, of the promise of chapter 7. Verses 9 through 11. Uh, let me just. Watch this. And I have been with you wherever you went. And I've cut off all your enemies before you. And I will make you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel. And I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed. No, I don't know about you, but I am really tired of the devil disturbing. Come on, somebody. What are you doing? So what if we just woke up one day and looked the devil in the eye and said, What are you doing here? God said this was my place that you couldn't disturb me no more. It's right there. That's God's promise. I'm going to give my people a place where they won't be disturbed no more. Well, they won't be bothered by the hand of the enemy no more. But see, God's got to have a champion to make that happen. He's got to have someone who's committed to the purpose of God. He's got to have somebody who's walked through the valley once or twice. He's got to have somebody who understands that in the valleys where I learn, grow, and gain strength to stand on top of the mountain, that I'll never get to one mountaintop if I don't want to cross any valley. Y'all not, y'all not, I can't. I got to go. God made it, and it, didn't, it doesn't happen in isolation. Huh. 
It doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by accident, church. If God has given you a promise, God expects you to get up and go take it. Our good preached a message years ago called Caleb the Mountain Climbing Mad Dog. At 80 years old, he said, you know what? That's my mountain. God gave it to me. And someone looked at me and said, but giants live on there. Not my problem. Not even my issue. It's mine. So what I'm going to do is start climbing up it and evict them. This happened in chapter 8 because of God's promise. And God had made a covenant, y'all don't even understand this, with Abraham. This is a fulfillment of the covenant God had made with Abraham 14 generations before David, 600 years before David even existed, God said, hey, Abraham, guess what I'm going to do? Y'all not Genesis 15, 18, let me just read it. On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I'll give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, 19th land, this is verse 19, the land of the Kenites, the Kizzites, the Amadites, the Hittites, the Herizites, the Aphrodites, the, the Arthritisites, the cancerites, the depressionites. Y'all not listen. Y'all not get. And if you read the rest of chapter 8, every one of those are conquered by David right there. Right there in chapter 8. They're all mentioned. It is a fulfillment of the promise of God right there. It's come to pass, church. Why? Because God said no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what we have to battle through, no matter how long the valley is, I don't care how dark the cloud is, there is an after this because I have spoken it. And have I not said it? And will I not do it? I have spoken it. It might take 14 generations, but here we go. It might take 600 years, but here we go. After this, David defeated the Philistines, the Moabites, the Armenians. Listen, church, he went on and on and on. And I love it that the Bible says he smote them. He smote them. I, I, y'all, not, y'all not listen to me. This is my kind of guy. Maybe I got issues. But there are times and seasons in my life when I am so sick of the enemy, I just want to punch him in the face. I just want to pray David's prayer. Can you just kick their teeth in, God? Could you just... I know I got issues, but see, I, 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 can't, I got issues because I can't, I can't take this picture of Jesus that hangs on the wall, this, you know, this you know, girly man who's hugging a sheep. And, uh, I, can't, I, got, I like the one in Revelation where he's got fire in his eyes and a sword out of his mouth. I like the one who's coming to conquer. I want the Jesus riding on the white stallion. That's the one I want. Give me that one. I got issues. He smote him. You know what that means? That means to punish, to destroy. And the Bible says he subdued them. That means to humiliate. I need to say something right here so we remember this. God never told us that if we served him, we wouldn't have issues. He never promised us we wouldn't have to fight the devil. He never promised us we wouldn't get sick. He never promised us we wouldn't be attacked. He never promised us we wouldn't have family issues. What he did promise us, church, is that he would be with us through it all. Amen. 
I got no time for sugar-coated Christianity because it doesn't prepare you to live life. And most Christians, I said it last week and I'll keep saying, are unprepared to live the life God has called us to. We are too interested in comfort. We are too interested in playing patty cake with Jesus and living in willful sin. We know it's wrong, but we think for some reason, some way, God's going to wink over me about it, but not over them. And, and here's the deal. I get calls all the time. People want Pastor Don. People want the body of Christ. People want the church to be 100% committed to them. Yeah, I'm going to come here. You're not even 10% committed to the body of Christ, and you expect the body of Christ to be 100% committed to you. I got issues. I'm just talking. And when I start saying, listen, if you're doing it wrong, no matter how much time I spend with you, until you start doing it right, it ain't going to get better. You can't do the wrong thing and get the right results. Listen to me, young people. You can't do it right and expect it to turn out, or wrong and expect it to turn out right. You can't. God can't even bless it. Listen to me, older people. We got to make a decision about how we want to live for God if we want to experience after this. See, some of us are stretching the valley out longer than it had. We, we're willing to take the long route and wander for 40 years then we would be saying there's a shorter way. It's called obedience. Y'all not, oh, help me. That wasn't even in my notes. Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Isaiah 43, 2. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, they shall not burn thee. Neither shall the flame be kindled upon thee. Listen to me. This is what the Lord has told me to say to us today. Listen, if you will not give up, if you will not give in to fear, if you will not, if you will not quit when the fire comes, church, if you will keep on praising God in the midnight hour, if you will hold on to his word and face everything with the power of God, Listen, there is an after this. Christy Munson came up during worship and she said, I see, I see the woman with the issue of blood. And there was a crowd. There was a crowd surrounding Jesus. But she pressed through. She wouldn't be deterred. There is an after this. And because of this, she found the hem of his garment, which represents the covenant of God. Amen. Come on, every Jewish male had this blue string, this blue thread around the hem of his garment. And it represented the covenant of God. And she was saying in herself, if I can just touch the covenant of God, I'll become on somebody. And when she touched him, Jesus turned, felt the power of the kingdom of God flow out of him because somebody got a holy covenant. Oh, I got a different sermon to preach. And there it was. God gave David victories. Come on, church. And they weren't personal. They were divine. You see, you got to look at this different. What if, what if, what if, what if what you're going through isn't personal? You want to talk to Job? You want to talk to Job? What if what you're going through isn't personal? What, what if what you're going through doesn't have anything to do with you? Yeah. 
What if God's just looking for some people who are saying, I'm committed because I know after this is coming. I know that there's some place God wants me to sit, and it's the capital. Come on, somebody. It's the capital where we rule and reign with Jesus Christ. God did was necessary to fulfill his promise to Abram through David. The lesson is simple, church. Can anything stop the purpose of God? No, no. No, no. When God makes a promise. Come on, church. I said when God speaks, it comes to pass. He hasn't changed since Abraham. He's not changing for me and you, and he won't plan to ever change. The Bible says he does not shift like the shadows. And you know why you can trust Jesus today? You know why you can trust God for this after this moment? Precisely because he doesn't change. Have I not spoken it? And shall I not do it? Have I not said it? And shall I not bring it to pass? I mean, God's asking a question that he expects you to know the answer to. My dad used to do that all the time. He used to ask me questions. And in my mind, you know, my dad was a drill sergeant. Like, okay, do I say yes, sir? Do I say no, sir? Because probably no matter what I say right now, hello, somebody. God asks us questions a lot of times to reveal his heart to us. When Abram first stepped into the land in Genesis chapter 12, mm, verse 6 and 7 reads this way. Watch this. At At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I'm going to give this land. Yeah, but... The Canaanites live here. Yeah, but there's trouble here. Yeah, but there's struggle here. Yeah, but there's wrestling here. Yeah, but uh, there's no comfort. Come on, somebody. I believe that Abraham himself was surprised to see the Canaanites. And then the Lord says, but I'm going to give it to your descendants. It doesn't matter who's here, even if they're giants. Whatever the obstacles are, Abraham, I'm going to give this to you. 600 years later, we see that the purposes of God cannot be stopped. The sovereignty of God is incredible, church, because that word right there in the beginning, after this, watch. Watch David defeated. And not only does he defeat But now he begins to rule from the enemy's capital. Well, help me out, somebody. What if your season of depression is a valley God's walking you through to get to the other side and sit on the capital of depression so that you can rule and reign and affect and use the power of God to help everybody else who's walking through that valley behind you? Come on, what if your battle with cancer is to walk through the valley of healing so that God can deliver you so that you can sit at the capital of healing and declare the power? Y'all not helping me. What if your marriage struggle is so that one day you can declare to other people
other people who are walking through that valley. I walked through it, but now I'm sitting in the capital of restoration. Watch what God has done. What if your prodigal children are a message of the authority of God for somebody else who's waiting on their prodigals to come home? I'm asking you something, church. After this, it's not over. After this, we rule and reign. I have determined that every negative thing that has happened in my life I would use for the glory of God. I will not be paralyzed by the naughtiness. Come on, church. The ugliness, the pain, and the struggle. No, instead, there's a capital to conquer, there's a place to sit. To establish the kingdom. And who better. Who better. To understand. That power is a test of character. Than those who have come through something. And experienced the delivering aspect of power. And to give it to those. Behind them. Because what you do with power. Reveals who you are. When you sit in the seat. Of the capital of the enemy. What you do with that authority? Oh, I, I could go, I could write a book right here, right now. But I need to move on. Because our stewardship is very important. Because what you need to understand is that God made a decision in his sovereignty. To accomplish his purposes through us. He didn't have to. But he did. God is going to fulfill his promise. How? Through David. He gave his promise to Abraham, but he's fulfilling it through David. Come on, church. This text says twice the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. The Lord gave David victory. I don't know about you, but I, I need some of that anointing. I don't know about you, but I need some of that anointing. Here's the flow of the text. You ready? God speaks. Boom. Here's my promise. David responds with prayer, acknowledging God's goodness and expressing his faith in God's promise. And David ends with amen. Let it be so. Let it be done. I'm in agreement. I anticipate and expect it. And in chapter 8, David acts. Because he believes that God is establishing his kingdom through him, so he fights for the land. Let me tell you something, married people, you better fight for your marriage. You better get off of the slop operas. They're not teaching you how to be married godly. You better get off of talk tick. I mean, tick tock. That is the most perverse place right now. I, I, I literally cannot believe how perverse people are publicly. Publicly. The things they say and do. And then people subscribe and watch. So much so that those people who are doing the most perverse things publicly begin to get paid for it. We used to call that prostitution. I thought it was illegal. But social media now is paying people. To prostitute them. That wasn't in my sermon either. I don't. Hello. 
want your marriage to be good? You want your children to behave themselves? And you say nothing about the influence of this garbage. But Lord have mercy if the pastor says to you that you should require them to be at every Sunday school class, every Sunday morning worship service, and every Sunday evening youth event. Oh, he's a bad pastor. I can't make my children go to church. All right, you don't make them go to church, but you let them get involved in that garbage. You stand before the Lord. I ain't doing that. I thought they lived in your house. Why are you giving them a choice? You... You pay the electricity, you buy the food. Is it? Sorry about your luck. Get in the car. <laughs> Get in the car. The school system's going to teach them about evolution and liberalism and anti God. And you won't sit down and read the Bible with them. Listen, this, you want to talk about adventure, you should read this thing. You want to talk about stories. <laughs> you want to talk about some, come on. You want to talk about something that will give your family something to talk about. Read a few of the stories in this book. I guarantee you they will have questions. Hey, uh, what did I, did I really say? Yes, yes, yes. Stewardship. If God is going to accomplish his purposes through us, we are going to have to be willing to be good stewards. We got to be willing to fight for our families. Fight for who? We have to be at every public school meeting. You can't teach my children that. Dare them to say they can. I had one teacher tell me, we told your son he didn't have to say yes, sir, and, 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 and no, ma'am. And, and you don't get, I, I looked her, asked my wife, I said, sorry about your luck, you don't get to do that. I will teach him manners. Your job is to teach him to read and write. And, and from what I see, he's struggling with that. But he ain't struggling with yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I can guarantee you he ain't struggling with that. I done did mine now. What you... Hello? Yes, my wife. <laughs> was real quiet at that table for a minute. I need, I need us to understand church. If we don't build the kingdom, who's going to? If the church, if the body of Christ is going to have influence, who's going to do it? Well, we have got to understand that there's an after this and that God has called us to sit on the throne of the enemy. He has given us. He told Joshua, everywhere you put the, the sole of your feet, I've given it to you. David, wherever you go, I'm giving you victory. Why don't you just go claim what I've given you? It's yours. Caleb, it's your mountain. Firm Foundation Ministry, it's your community. Come on, go get what I gave you. If we step back and look at David's life, we'll be amazed at the blessing. God prepared his servant for the day. Don't whine and feel bad about David being left out in the pasture. He'll testify to you, that's where I learned to hear the voice of God. That's where I learned that when ugly old Goliath stood up, I had nothing to fear. Because I had already taken care of a bear and a lion with my bare hands. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? 
Don't feel bad for David about the things he went through and how Saul treated him and how everybody went through 15 years of running, right? A shepherd boy goes from a pastor to follow, uh, to leading a flock. He becomes the ruler over the people of God. He becomes a king to represent the kingdom of God. Why? Because God trained him, church. Listen, I need you to hear me and hear me well. There's some things you're going through and I realize there's struggles and some of those struggles are robbing you of your value but you got to understand God promised he would never leave you nor forsake you and in those moments he's training you and he's teaching you to sit on the throne of authority he wants to give you power in a place nobody else has got power so that you can use that power for his glory and for his honor yes God prepared him for this day. And the Bible says in his preparation, because he was prepared, the Bible says he fought, he subdued. Come on, church. Don't underestimate the trial of life. God uses them to prepare you. Come on, some married folk right in here, right now. Come on, God's, God's been training you. Come on, there's, there's some people that walk through some sickness. God's training you. There's some of y'all that walked through some depression. Come on. Anxiety. Some of you walked through some addiction. Come on. God's been training you. Now you can, you, you can complain about the valley if you want to. But I promise you after this, God is wanting to give you a seat. I don't know what yours is today. But I need you to know that there is an after this. And that is the body of Christ's job. That's why Jesus left us here. God never promised us a garden. He never promised us a trouble-free life. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised you you would have trouble. And then Peter says, why do you think it's such a strange thing? It's it's July, church folk. Do you know the strategic seeds that are planted from this ministry in the month of July in the young people's hearts? With youth retreat and VBS. If we ever go into the month of July not expecting the enemy to attack us, we are not paying attention. My friends, let me tell you this. I love you way too much to stand up here and lie to you and tell you that being a Christian is going to be a trouble-free life. I love you way too much to tell you you're never going to walk through a valley. I love you way too much to tell you you're never going to hear a bad report from a doctor. I'm telling you right now, I love you way too much to tell you you're never going to have to cry over wayward children. I love you way too much to tell you you ain't never going to be lied on. That you're never going to lose somebody that you love. Or that there aren't going to be times in your life when you want to quit. Welcome to the club. I can't do it. I cannot lie to you. I won't do it because it's not true. But I can tell you based on the authority of the word of God. That if you'll hold on, there's an after this. I can tell you that. God, help us that it won't be 16 generations. 
what happened after this? So I'm glad you asked. David smote him. He subdued him. The Philistines. Remember those rocks he picked up? I'm always surprised at what people don't understand or know. David picks up five rocks. He kills one giant. But there were five of them. Goliath had four brothers. Throughout David's lifetime, just read your Bible, you'll understand that throughout his lifetime, he wound up killing all five of them personally. There's a prophetic sense that comes out of the stream as he reaches down and grabs five stones. The stream that provides those smooth stones. The stream that has been washing those stones for years. Rolling them and rolling them and rolling them and smoothing them out so that they would fly straight when David needed. See, there's some streams that God has been preparing and rolling some stuff so that when you reach down in it, there's some prophetic stuff, right? That you might not accomplish today or tomorrow, but it's coming because there's an after this. David smote him. He humiliated him. I, I just, I'm just feeling like this devil humiliating anointing coming on us. Come on, church. I believe somebody's getting ready to step into some of this after this. Somebody's getting ready to embarrass the devil. Come on. Because what he meant for evil, God's going to use for good. Come on, church, if we won't but quit. Let me tell you something. Every time the devil throws something at you and it fails, every time he sets a trap for you and it misses, every time an offense he throws your way falls to the ground, Every time he knocks you down and you bounce back stronger, every time something he throws at you backfires in his face, he is humiliated and he is embarrassed. Let me me just put this to you in PDisms. I said, let me put this to you in PD's version. After this, the tables were turned. Oh, come on. After this, David bounced back stronger. After this, David made the enemy sorry he had ever messed with him. After this, David hit the enemy where it hurt. After this, David humiliated the enemy and publicly embarrassed him by sitting in a place where he once was such an outsider that no one wanted anything to do with him. He's got that Toby Keith anointing. How you like me now? Remember when I used to hide here? Now I'm sitting in the Capitol in charge. You remember how you used to rail on me because I wasn't who you were? Come on, you can't help church but understand how this works. You remember how you used used to pick on me and those type of things? Now guess what? Here I'm sitting and I'm in charge. You see... The enemy is a harassing spirit. I might not be harassed with depression. I get discouraged, but I don't think I've ever experienced depression. But I know there's a harassing spirit of depression. And you just got to tell yourself, I'm determined to sit on that throne. I, I, listen, anxiety? Come on. 
I remember telling the nurse, Brian Steed was right there today. She said, you're having an anxiety attack. And I, I remember yelling at that lady saying, I'm not having an anxiety attack. I can't breathe. That is a big difference. And she looked at Brian and she said, he's having an anxiety attack. I said, listen here, woman, I ain't got nobody but you and Jesus right now. I need you to fix this problem. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh. I've not been chemically addicted, but that's a harassing spirit. Come on, I get it. I've experienced addiction. You see, it doesn't matter. What I have experienced and what you have experienced. What I haven't and what you haven't. What matters is that God has called us all to the after this. To, to, the, to the place to where together as the body of Christ, we minister the authority of the kingdom of God into the world that we live in. And I need you to understand. Every place the enemy has tried to come and destroy our lives... God has called us to sit in that place as a victor. As a victor. It is there. But you got to get up. There's some giants that don't belong there. Come on, church. David's God's servant, doing God's work, fulfilling God's will. And God grants him success. We are God's servant, doing God's work, fulfilling God's will. And I'm just going to speak it right now. I expect success. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Can nothing stop the promise of God? Come on, church. The purposes of God will come to pass. You know, let me tell you why I am excited about this message after we come through ideas like fear and brokenness. It's because even though you walk through those valleys, God still plans to use you for his glory. He's going to work his purpose through us, through us, church. Church is not some place you just come on Sunday morning. We have to stop it. We have to stop it. We have to stop seeing that as the do-all, be-all. The church is what we did this weekend. What we're going to do this coming weekend. What we're going to do in a couple of weeks. God fulfilling his purpose through us. And the Holy Spirit is speaking right now, I believe. And I ask you to stand in this place with me. And I just believe that there is an after this anointing God wants to bless us with today. And I'm going to invite you to respond to the Word of God right now in this place. If you're here this morning and you're like, that is a word for me. The valley's been long. It's been dark. But I know there's a purpose. There's an equipping. There is a training process. God is preparing me for His glory. I don't see it right now, but by faith, I like David. I speak it. Maybe my marriage is struggling. Maybe my wayward children are there. Maybe my finances. Come on, church, whatever. I need you, I need you to understand whatever it is that, that you need that after this moment. I want us to respond right here, right now. Let God's anointing work through us. 
There's a woman with an issue of blood who pressed through. There's some of y'all that are, you're, it's the last match in your box. Come on. Let me tell you something. The last match in the box never burns if it isn't struck. Hello, somebody. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We thank you for this word. God, I thank you for the illustration here. We're after everything David done. You granted him victory after victory after victory. God, he began to use the power you had given him and exercise that power from the seat of the capital of struggle in order to end it. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for that one. For that one. God, you want to give them the capital. Help us to push through. Help us to push through. The sicknessites, the marriageites, the prodigal childrenites. Help us to push through. Depression and anxiety, right now, help us to push through, God. It's the seat of the capital you want us to sit on. We are not defeated in the name of Jesus. We are victorious in the name of Jesus. We are more than conquerors in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus, that sickness and that disease, God, you want us to sit on the capital of healing. You want us to exercise power and authority that you've given us. No longer, Lord, will we walk around defeated as if we've been put out to the pasture and we don't matter. But God, you're calling us. You're calling us up. To greatness in you. So in this place, Lord, we just worship you. 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 If you want to respond to the altar, come. No one's going to judge you. Just come. As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every Like the sun shaping the shadow. Come on. In my weakness, your glory appears. Hallelujah. Not enough. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Bless you, Lord. It's all I Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? That's all I want. all you Will you meet me here again? Church. Say
God, I just speak this as a prayer over us, over our church. This month, Lord, if we ever needed angels to encamp about us, we need it now. God, we're pressing in. We're planting seeds strategically in the hearts and lives of young people. And God, and I, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would create an environment, God, where those young people would receive you like they never had before. A fresh revelation. A newness of you, God, I'm praying for the anointing on each leader who's leading every moment of encounter with you, Lord, whether it's through worship, whether it's through prayer, God, whether it's through the Word of God, Lord, through VBS, God, the songs, the kids that will come, God, this is our planting season, Lord. God, we have been faithful to plant in the seasons before. And so now, Lord, we're asking for a return on our deposit. You're anointing God. We want souls for our hire. And so God, this coming weekend, we're, we're expecting young people to get saved, healed, and delivered. We're expecting God for you to come and, and, and set calling sure and true in their lives. God, for VBS, God, we're expecting God as you draw from the north, the south, the east, and the west. That the word of God will be cemented in the hearts and lives of these young children. They never forget, God, their encounter with you. Father, we bless you. We anticipate to hear and feel and see results in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. A couple of things. Um, We need 11 more uh, crew leaders for VBS. Uh, Shirts can be picked up out there. If you would like to pick up some of the... uh, uh, leftover stuff from pork patties, they're going to be out there too. So make sure you see that. Turn around, tell someone you love them in Jesus' name.